Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to a very special episode of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. We are not only live streaming inside CI Reboot 23, amazing conference, yeah, for all the participants and all the presenters. It's an amazing, great conference. But I'm also in great company because I'm with two amazing language educators. And I have here to my right, Diana Castro, and Adriana Ramirez. And today we are going to focus on something that I know is in the mind of many, many teachers because it's July. And in July, sadly, some of you are going to start thinking about going back to planning. And we always want to ask, how can we start the school year? And I truly believe that those first weeks are essential to build the foundation, but especially to build two special elements in our classes, which are confidence and trust. Because in our classes throughout the year, we're going to ask a lot of personal questions. We're going to ask our students to take huge risks. And we are going to want and need our students to engage with us. And all that requires trust and confidence. So today, we're going to focus on What do we do in those first weeks to build those key elements? But before we start, we want to know a little bit about our great, great uh, participants in the in the podcast. So I'm going to start with Adriana because uh, Diana has been already in the podcast. She is a friend of the podcast, but I am super excited to have Adriana. Adriana is from Colombia, just like me, and I just... I don't know, I hear that accent and everything, and it just makes me feel a little bit at home. So, Adriana, welcome to Growing with Proficiency, the podcast, and can you tell us a little bit about your teaching context? Thank you, Claudia, for having us here today. It's an honor to be here sharing the space with you and my beloved friend, Diana. Can you believe that Diana and I have not met in person yet? Yes. Oh, you need to my God. That. I know. Can't wait to hug her one day and kiss her. Uh, so like Claudia said, I'm from Colombia, Medellin, Colombia. I know Claudia is from Bogota. Uh, she's Rola, yo soy paisa. So <laughs> I live, I'm also an immigrant. I live in Surrey, BC. Surrey is a city next to Vancouver, close to Vancouver, 40 minutes away from Vancouver. I always say Vancouver because when I say Surrey, no one knows where it is. So Vancouver, BC, Canada. 
Uh, I am a Spanish teacher. I've been, I also was a teacher in Colombia. I've been teaching for 20 years now. Do not make the numbers. You don't want to know how old I am. Uh, so I'm a Spanish teacher and I'm also an author. I write uh, language learner literature. Uh, I teach from beginners, which in my context is grade nine. That would be beginners or year one, all the way through IB in grade 12, SL. So that's like in um, short words, a little bit about myself. Thank you, Adriana. And did you hear that Adriana said, oh, it's Claudia Rola y yo soy paisa. It's just because the paisas don't like the rolos. But we always make exceptions. I know Diana. Diana is making a big. I know. <laughs> I, she and she made the comment. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was Adriana. See, los rolos. We are very pacific. You know, we're not confrontational. We're. <laughs> but anyway, so let's move on. Okay, Diana. I know that you have been in the podcast before, but for some of you who are listening the first time, tell us a little bit about your teaching context. Um, hi, so my name is Diana Castro, and I teach Spanish and French in uh, Long Beach, California. I am originally from the Dominican Republic, and when I was nine years old, I moved to Puerto Rico from one island to another. Uh, I believe all students can learn a second language. Some people are learn it faster than others. Um, my job is to make sure that I stay in the target language and I make myself comprehensible so the students can learn um, I enjoy traveling, reading. Thanks to Adriana and Margarita's encouragement, I am writing a a very interesting book. And thank you, Adriana, because she keeps me. She, she, she sends me message. She sends me messages all the time, like, "How's the book going?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, yes, yes." So, so I really appreciate that. Uh, like Adriana said, we have never met, but it feels like we. We met before, like I just, it just feel like I know Adriana, like a, an, una vieja amiga, an old friend. I am so excited. I'm so honored to be able to share this space with incredible language educators, but also with immigrants language educators, because we were talking before we started this episode, how the struggle of having the two languages, and many times we have to present in the language that is less dominant for us, which is in this case, English. And we were sharing how that can be very frustrating and intimidating. So the fact that we are all here, the three of us as women, as immigrants, it's just like, it makes me super, super proud. So I just hope that you're feeling this energy that we have right now. Okay, so let's start with that question. The question is, how can or what activities or strategies can we use the first weeks of school to build that trust and confidence? And because we have different levels and we may do different things, we're going to start level by level. So we're going to start with level one. And I'm going to just ask Diana to start sharing with us a little bit how does she start her level one to build that trust and confidence. Okay, so I the first thing I do is the day before school starts, I look at my roster and I look at their names and I'm going to practice how to say their names because names are important to people and I want to make sure that I get it right because that will be my first um, impression with the students. And I already had a bad experience when I said a student's name wrong. And I i don't think that kid ever forgave me 
for that. And I learned my lesson. I was like eight years ago. And I'm like, no, I'm always going to try to get their names right. That's the first thing I do. I look at my roster. I'm going to try to get their names right. And I would tell them, there's one that I'm not absolutely 100% sure. I'm going to say, please excuse me if I say it wrong and help me say it correctly. But I try to get that right the day before. Um, I stand by the door. I greet my students with a smile and with a greeting in Spanish, hola or buenos dias and a smile. And I show them go inside because the expectation for them every day will be for them to line outside my classroom. And for me, they're going to have to say a password and I'm going to greet them and I'm going to say something nice to them. Like, oh, I love your shoes. I love your nice anything, right? So from day one, I want to make them feel comfortable I'm going to greet them at the door with a warm smile. Um, most of the students that had me in previous years will walk by and will say something to me. Hola, señora. How are you? Bonjour, madame. And then the students will be like, oh, she's nice. The kids, the other kids like her. So she, this is going to be a good class. So that's the first step. I greet them at the door with a smile. I teach them the expectations from day one. I teach them the gestures for yes, no. I don't understand. Super important. Uh, some people are, uh, ask me, what do you do first? Do you build relationship first and then do content? I do both at the same time. I build relationship while I'm teaching my content. Um, I show the students respect. Um, I remain positive. Uh, with my students, with a smile, praising them. Oh, thank you. I'll say something like, oh, thank you. I was looking for 100% participation. Oh, thank you for showing me that you don't understand. It's very important. You're helping me do my job. That helps the students feel great. It helps them know that I care about the education, that I care about them. Uh, I, if I want to speak English from day one, I model, me permite hablar inglés. May I speak English? And I point to them so they know what that means. So they, I also have a word wall so the students know what vocabulary is if I need to point at a word because I need to stay in the target language. But I also want to make sure that they know what is happening. Doesn't make any sense because I'm talking, 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 and they don't understand what I'm saying. So day one, greet them at the door, know their names, uh, have this show them the expectation that the um they show me that they don't understand, that show me when they understand, yes or no, uh slowly. Uh, I show them my routines from day one. Uh, not all of them because it's a lot, but the first one is entering the classroom. Show me that you understand. Show me you don't understand. Um, I model, uh, can I speak, may I speak English in the class? Um, I show them that I know what I'm doing. I show them that I have a seating chart the first day, even though I'm going to have to switch this a million times the first few weeks, it doesn't matter. I show them that I know what I'm doing, that I'm in control. Um, and it helps the students feel like it's like, oh, we're in good hands. This woman knows, knows what she's doing. Um, I feel like I'm going to learn because she has the classroom decorated in a way that I, I have a lot of support, visual support. Um, then I teach them a little bit about myself, okay? And I'm going to introduce the first day, one word only, soy. 
I am in Spanish with a lot of different cognates and they get to know about me. But what I'm teaching them as well is how to play the game because I'm going to say something like soy Dominicana, I'm Dominican, and I'm going to ask them questions. Am I Cuban? And their expectation for them is to answer either thumbs up, thumbs down, moving their heads, or some kids will be able to say yes, no. Uh, some even would say it in the target language. So I'm, I'm going to circle, do PQA. They're going to know a little bit about me. But most importantly, they're learning how to play the game from day one. They are learning that this is a Spanish class where you, you expected to learn Spanish, that you are going to show me when you don't understand something. You're going to show me when you understand. And my job will be to make sure that you learn Spanish and to keep you in the target language. So that's day one. Day two, I add a little bit more information to that. I ask, le gusta? I mean, me gusta? No me gusta. I like? I don't like. And again, I like coffee. Me gusta el café. I like chocolate. Uh, me gusta el chocolate. And then something that I don't like, it's also a cognate. I don't like violence. No me gusta la violencia. So that's day one and two. And I'm going to continue repeating this because the first week students change a lot. So I'm going to continue that. Third day, I add one more piece of information. I tell them about myself, but at the same time, I'm asking them, do you like chocolate? Do you like Hershey's or do you like M&M's? Do you like coffee? Do you like Starbucks coffee or do you like... Uh, Coffee beans, coffee. Um, so I'm getting to, I'm telling them about myself, but at the same time, I'm learning about them, building relationships and staying in the target language. And I love all your, uh, all your uh, suggestions and activities because there's something that I think we need to be very aware. I believe that for some students coming to our classes is like for me going to an airplane or flying an airplane when it's a storm. It's a scary. <laughs> it's extremely scary. And the last thing that I want is to see a pilot that is not in control, right? Like I want to come to my airplane and see the pilot in control. And I believe that for our students is the same. The worst plan is no plan. So having a plan, having specific routines. And they, so that's great for building confidence. Like you said it, like being in control, knowing exactly what I'm going to do. Now, it is incredibly like brave and it is incredibly effective when you start in the target language because you're setting the tone for the year and you're telling your students, see, you were able to do it. This is how we're going to do it. And then you mentioned something that is routines. And I think routines Elementary school teachers do a fantastic job with routines. And sometimes we come to high school and we forget. And we are kind of like start our classes in a different way every day. And then our instructions and the way that they tell us that they agree or disagree or that they understand or understand changes every day, which is extremely confusing for your students. So having those routines and exactly like Diana said, you don't have to start with 10, right? Like start with how to enter the class, how to tell you that they understand or they don't understand, how to tell you if you are allowed to speak in the common language or not. So I love it. And another thing that I feel is so important, what you said is relationship or content. What I really love of how we can have an acquisition-driven instruction class, a class where we use in the language, is that our content is relationships. So the content the first week of school is learning about 
ourselves and the teacher and the student. And that is great. Okay, uh, Adriana, what do you do or do you do something different or additional ideas or suggestions for that level one? Thank you, uh, Diana and Claudia. Uh, so I want to say that it's fantastic that you're listening to two different perspectives because Diana and I do things very differently. Some things and some things are very similar. So what you need to get from here is different ways of doing things. Go back to your classroom, practice, try them on and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you because not everything works for everyone. So that's a very healthy way of, of doing it. Yes, find your own voice. So because I do it doesn't mean that you have to do it because Diana does it doesn't mean that you have to do it because it might not work for you. In fact, I cannot line up my students outside my door because my other teacher's neighbor will kill me. I am disruptive. My, the hallway, the principal doesn't like that. Everyone shoo, shoo, shoo to your classrooms. What's happening here? And I would be seen as if I am not under control. So it's it's the opposite. But it's my my school setting, the way things work. So the students come in. Uh, we don't have desks. They choose their place where they sit. I have a map where I write their names so I can write their names. I tell them because I am dyslexic. So I flip names and last names and consonants. So it's the first week is a nightmare for me. Uh, so I tell them it takes time, but I promise within a week, I'll know your names. Give me a week. Be patient, be loving the same way. I'm going to be patient and loving with you throughout this semester. Repeat it as many times as you need to until I get it. But I promise you within a week, it takes me a couple of days, honestly, but I give me the buffer of the week to learn their names. And I have my map chart where I like my cheat map where I see uh, their names and I learn them. So like Diana said, names are very important. Um, and I and I do like learn them and pronounce them and, and tell them, repeat it until I get it. And they will do it. Um, the other thing that I do day one is that I have a PowerPoint presentation with pictures about myself and, and sentences, easy sentences, basic. Me llamo Adriana. My name is Adriana. I am from, I live in, I speak Spanish. So I have the sentences there in Spanish with the English translation. And then I have the questions. So I'm going to start in the Spanish introducing myself. My, in Spanish, me llamo Adriana, and I have a picture. They love seeing pictures. I have a picture of myself. Me llamo Adriana, and then I will ask, ¿Cómo te llamas? Of course, I'm not, this is day one. I'm not expecting them to give me full sentences, but I want them to understand, and they would say, someone, Diana, muy bien, clase, se llama Diana. So I start triangling uh, from there, se llama Diana. Me llamo Diana. Is it my name, Diana? No, Adriana. So I start circling and triangling and coming back and forth from day one, learning about us, learning names, and then learning about me. So that would take, I don't know, 20 minutes. Like I said in my previous workshop, you read the energy with your gut. You see, if it goes, if it's going well, keep going. If it's not, they're tired, stop. So I, I just 
I am there as much as I can. And then I do have um, some class expectations that I think we will talk about that later. I have a general course outline. It's very pretty with Canva. I post it on Teams. They can download it, give it to their parents and everything. But I go over it. I made it pretty. So we can go over the class expectations and a general understanding on how the class is going to look like. So the first um, introduction, the first part of the class, let's say 30 minutes is in Spanish. And then the part of the course outline, I will switch to English because I want them to really know what the class is going to look like, the evaluation, the expectations. And I want that very clear. It's in English. And then that's it. Um, and I and I find that lowers a little bit their stress because they know, okay, this is what is going to happen. This is what is going to work. I'm understanding the expectations. Move on. So that is my first day. That I I just definitely I think we all are on the same page on how important it is to build that confidence and trust, that understanding that yes, the class is gonna be in the in, in Spanish. I tell my students, like, guess what? The Spanish class is gonna be in Spanish. Oh my god, this is so incredible. It, because it is something that sometimes they haven't experienced or they don't even know that that is possible. So starting with that, building that confidence and trust is so good. Okay, let's move on to level two. Now in level two, we have an older challenge. So in level two, we have students who already had level one. Some of them may have had a great experience with level one. Some of them may not. Some of them did great and were paying attention and were engaged. So their language may be very strong. Some of them may not. So that is a great challenge. So how we do things a little bit different or what are the things that we are going to focus in level two that we didn't maybe had to do it in level one? And I'm going to start this time with Adriana. Tell us a little bit about that level two uh, starting your uh, school year. So like you just said, Claudia, my level two classes are very different. The students that are coming to me, some of them work with me in grade nine. So they know me. I know them. They know how everything runs. I know their Spanish level. Some of them come from other teachers, other schools. So I have a variety of students. Uh, also, week one, in my case, it's a lot of changing. The counselors put a student, move a student, put a, a new student arrives from another school. It's a lot of movement. So I don't want to start like content, meaning like my first formal storytelling on week one, because I'm still waiting for the class to be the class that I will be working on throughout the semester. I also want students to feel confident, to feel at ease. In my case, I teach semester. I don't teach year-long classes, semester classes. So my, some of my students saw level one in the first semester of one year and level two in the second semester of the second year. So they actually had a full gap, year gap of the Spanish. So they think they don't remember. They do. They think they forgot everything. They didn't. But that's what they, they think. So they come very stressed. Oh, my Ramirez, I don't know any Spanish. I forgot everything. So what I do is that I pick a book, an easy novel, one of the Mosca novels, um, any any book from the series of Por si las Moscas that I wrote with Margarita, those are books meant for level one. So they're easy to read book. I pick one title and I read it as a class novel. 
So I start doing TPR, day one, TPR, personalized questions. But the book, remember, the stories are easy. So this is content that I know they should feel comfortable with. And if they don't, because they, they I don't know them, then I start learning who they are, or where they are at. TPR, PQ, we read together, we do reader's theater, we, I do story listening uh, with the chapters of the book, we do comprehension questions, we do some Kahoot for some chapters. And the week goes by, by the end of the week, we finish reading the book, they feel happy, they feel comfortable, the Spanish came back to their heads, they know they know. I gave everyone time in the school to pull students out and in. And then I'm ready to start with a formal, my first storytelling class. Oh, I think that's so smart, Adriana. It's just like giving that confidence back and start reading a book. So it's not like we're just not doing anything. We're just reading a book. I mean, imagine that. So it's a huge thing that we're doing, but it's a book that is super doable for them, very comprehensible to them, where they're going to say, huh, I wasn't that bad. And it's just like building and boosting that confidence and trust in you. Again, the pilot of the airplane knows what it's doing and we trust you. We're going to follow your lead. So I love how that level two is basically more focused on building that confidence. Now, Diana, do you do something else, something in addition to that? Up, uh, very similar. Um, I use a, it's not story asking, it's a pre-made story that I use, uh, with slideshows, lots of pictures, and like maybe one sentence per slide with a picture. I use, um, pop culture information. In the case of level two, I'll be using a story about Garfield because most of my students, they already know who Garfield the cat is, if not, once they see the picture, they'll be like, oh, Garfield is a cat, obviously. Um, so I start with a simple story that uses have three verbs at the most um, that they probably learned last year. But if they didn't, they'll learn it, they'll learn it right away. Uh, and lots of cognates. And the story goes like this. There is a cat named Garfield and Garfield wants to eat with a lot of different foods, right? And the foods are going to pick the ones that are cognates, like broccoli, I'm going to pick pizza, lasagna, I'm going to pick words like that. Um, he does not want to eat a salad. He does not, like, what does he want to eat? What does not want to eat? His owner, John, offers him, Leo Frese, because he's a cognate, offers him this, but that's not what he wants to eat. So it's just basically a repetition of the same thing. He offers him this. He wants to eat. He doesn't want to eat that because he actually wants to eat a lasagna. That's what he wants to eat. And by the end, the students will be able to tell me, like, will answer the, the will be able to retell the stories. But what I'm doing with this is not really the story about Garfield. It could be a story about anything. It's that I'm teaching the students how to play the game. I'm teaching them how to act in my class. I'm teaching them the expectation. Uh, your job is to show me when you understand again. Your job is to show me when you don't understand. And let me know if I'm speaking too fast. Let me know if I need to repeat again, if I need to slow down. Uh, and also I'm getting to find out because people have very strong opinions about food. 
So I get to find out who likes to eat what. What is one thing, one food that they don't like? I get to find out who is a vegetarian in my class, who has food allergies. So again, I'm building community through teaching my content. Both things at the same time. And then stories, right? Like, and we can stay here talking about stories and why just telling stories is so compelling for our students. I did one episode with Karen about the science behind stories and why we use stories. Like, it's not because, oh, it's fun. No, there is so much more behind a story. So when you're sharing how you start your, your year with stories, it just makes the whole sense. I start all my levels because I'm deskless, so I don't have desk. And all my, my, my years, I start with a different version of the same story is that somebody stole the desk. And it's a story that at the end of the year, my students remember, remember the character, remember what happened, remember everything. Thing. And when I ask them in the survey, what is one of your favorite stories? They're going to tell that one, the one that I told them the first week of school. So this is great things. And, and I love what Diana mentioned is we are really showing them how they need to behave in our classes, because that is going to be very different than the, how they behave in history class. So in history class, they can put their head down take a little nap and then go to the home and take and take notes, read the chapter, take notes, come back the next day and you're good, good to go. But that is not going to work in our classes. So really showing the expectations of what is expected from them is very, very important. Okay, so let's move to level three and up. And I know that Diana doesn't have those levels, but Adriana does. So Adriana, can you share with us a little bit about how you do with those level three and maybe a little bit of the upper levels? So it depends when I'm teaching regular grade 11, which would be level three, regular, not IB. I would also start with a novel because I have students coming from different backgrounds, different situations, different schools. So I want to start with a novel with the same for the same purpose, give them time for them, uh, for the Spanish to come back to their heads, me getting to know them and their level of the Spanish and that is a good feedback for me to know where I should start so that is the regular level three but I also teach IB and IB is level three and four I teach IB SL so with them uh, I also I, I do more movie talks with embedded readings also to know them but I don't have time to do a novel then I will do a couple novels later but not then because I have to start with the IB curriculum and start doing the IB things. So we go over the IB expectations and IB rubrics, all of, if you teach IB or AP, you know, it, it is a little bit different. So I start with movie talks with embedded reading. So we do reading and we do input through me doing the movie talks or video talks or video chats for, for a couple of weeks. And then I start the stories because I do teach the stories as well. I use the stories to teach the more complex grammar like the subjunctive and all of that. But I also, sorry, uh, I also want to give them time for that Spanish to come back, for me to get to know them and for students to be, to be moved 
in and out. And I think in those upper levels is essential because they are terrified, especially if they're coming to IP and they know that they're going to take the AP exam at the end, if they're coming to IB and that they know that they're going to take the IB exam and they have already two or three years in their belt. And the, some of them may say, you know, I wasn't the strongest one in my three years and they're extremely terrified. So starting, I remember one year I started a AP my second day with Borges y yo. That was in my textbook and that's where they started, Borges y yo. And, and I don't know how they didn't drop because I was even confused with Borges y yo. So I think at the end, no matter what you start, it is incredibly useful to start with something that you know your students are going to be able to really comprehend and engage. And they're going to comprehend at different levels and they're going to engage at different levels. But if we are building that confidence, it's going to serve you because they're going to start trusting you and you're going to dedicate that first two weeks not to do something that is hard, not to do something that is scary, but on the contrary, to do something that is going to make them want to be in their class, make them feel successful in your class. Either a movie talk, either a story, either using picture talk, using a ton of TPR, but whatever helps them feel comfortable while you are using the language. Now, one of the things that I didn't hear you mention that I hear a lot at the beginning of the school year are reviewing. Now, I remember when I taught with a textbook before and level two and up, the first chapter of your textbook is reviewing. So I have my personal opinion about reviewing, but I want to hear yours first. So Diana, tell us a little bit about how you do the reviewing, if you do any reviewing. Um, I don't, for my level one, I basically just like let them know, like, listen, show them a list of cognates. You already know a lot of Spanish, like in the easy one, not the ones that we think are easy that the kids do not understand. I used to want like restaurante, restaurant. That is correct. See, you already know a lot of Spanish. Again, that's just to build trust, to have them gain, being, uh, gain confident in, in their skills. And level two, I don't really review. I just start with an easy, like Adriana, it starts with an easy book. I just start with an easy story, but assuming that they don't know anything. And I'm going to go slowly. Um, I just, I, yeah, it's not something that I do. I just start teaching my content. I try to make myself comprehensible. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, stay in the target language, speak slow, ask lots of comprehension questions and do a lo lot of, lots of little comprehension checks. I love it. I love it because the fact is that they are there. They are at the level that they are. <laughs> like, it's not like a, like a like a boost review for a week is going to change the level dramatically. So instead of doing that, just really and I and I appreciate the words that you use because it's like I start kind of like thinking that they don't know much. Like that is so much better, higher space for us as teachers to start. Like I'm assuming that you don't have much language. And if you do have more, yeah, we all are going to win. We're going to go faster. But starting slow, starting just kind of like below what you think they are is going to just make you more successful throughout the year. Now, Adriana, yeah. do you do something different in addition to that? No, like I said before, starting with a novel that is easier for them, that is 
should be taught in the previous level. It's such a good way to, to review, like the traditional review way, because everything is coming back to their heads. We're refreshing the language. But I, I also want to say that in a comprehensible input classroom, every day is a review because we do not move on and check boxes. I see everything like in a spiral. So we move forward, but we're always coming back. So we're always picking uh, picking the students up again and again. Like someone said, throwing a wider net. Someone said an expression like that before. I don't remember who. And then you throw it and you catch some students and then you throw it again and then you catch other students. So we're doing that every day through our TPR, through our PQ, every time we read, every time we do a story. So every day... There is something new, but every day is also a review. So review is built in in our classes naturally. And I think it's a review with a different perspective because I think a review that we do, like the like traditional review is we need to review these tenses. We need to review these conjugations. And what we do when we have an acquisition-driven instruction class, a comprehensible input-driven instruction class, is that we're using the language. And when we're using the language, we're going to use the same chunk of languages many, many times, right? Like that's how we talk. And this idea of the linear sequence, right? Like we're going to start with the AR verbs. We're going to go with the ER and IR. And thinking that our students build in that system, in that order, is what made us review. So when we came to the moment that we say like, okay, that's not how it works. We're just going to use language. I think it's liberating because if you notice, those reviews is going to take at least one quarter of your time. So if you stop doing that and instead use a small story, something that they understand, something, a novel that they will understand, the time is so much more effective building that system. Okay. So before we leave, let's talk about syllables and expectations. And I know Adriana already mentioned a little bit, but how we do the something that uh, most teachers have to do and is going through the expectation, going through the syllables. What is the moment that you decide that it's a good time to introduce it to your students and how you do it? And I'm going to start with uh, Diana. Um, I don't teach the syllabus. Um, I do teach some parts of the syllabus and the things, language acquisition, because it's important that my students have some buying on what I'm doing. And I have little slides, not one day I'm going to show them all when it's necessary, when the time comes, when the time is right, I'm going to show them like, oh, what we're doing is called TPR and TPR is this and that and that. And it's important because of this. Oh, this, what I'm doing right here, I didn't invent it. Some college professors did. And it means that, and this is what we're doing. Just to get some buying. Uh, and I learned this from my friend, Alina Filipescu. She teaches the students to be advocate for language acquisition. Um, and the other thing that I do go over, maybe week three or four, it's the grading scale. Because somebody will ask me, oh, yes, here it is. Here's the grading policy. My syllabus is posted. We use um, Canvas at our school. In, in our district, we had to post it online for all the parents to see. If the students have more questions, they can go there, uh, email me. But I don't spend the first day of school, like some classes do, uh, going over the syllabus. Every other teacher is doing that that day. 
And it's just the kids are not going to remember. It goes back to the review question. Uh, we call it, um, when we're reviewing like list of things, we call it embotellarse, to bottle <laughs> it up. And I, I'm telling you from personal experience, I used to embotellarme la información. I used to bottle all up in my brain. And as soon as I was done with the test, I forgot every single little thing. It was just a waste of time. I was not learning anything. I was just memorized it so I can write it on the paper and then it was gone. I am I, I am just exactly like you. I used to spend an entire class going to my syllabus. And I six years ago, I think I stopped. And the difference between me and plus, I'm the only teacher that does it differently. So that just gives me a, a really popular teacher because you are not starting the same way. So I think that is so important for our students because in my school, we have 90 minutes period. But imagine the student going from 90 minutes to 90 minutes to 90 minutes talking about syllables and expectation. I mean, Anybody who was a little bit excited about school is done, <laughs> like no more excitement. So I do the same thing. And another thing that you mentioned is having our students know about language acquisition. I spend time really typing in my syllables a newsletter explaining to my students and my parents before they start complaining, right? Before we even the complaining, the class is in Spanish, I don't understand anything, blah, 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 blah. Before they start, I tell them, like I say, if I, I tell them first, I'm just, I'm, I have a better position myself to do. So I'm telling them that the first day, and one more thing, when you mentioned that you explain, oh, this is TPR and this is a, a strategy. It's not like I'm asking you to get up and do this gesture. That is so important, especially when we're talking about high schoolers, because they really need to understand that what we do in class is not like a lot of stuff, like to have fun. No, 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 no. This is, we're having fun because great. <laughs> but in addition to that, there is a lot of research behind each decision that we make in class. Okay, Adriana, tell us a little bit about your expectations and how you do that with your students. Okay, so um, I for the expectations or classroom rules, they are part of my course outline. We don't have a syllabus. We have like a course outline that every teacher does however they want. We just introduce ourselves. This is what how the class is going to work more for the parents to understand us a little bit in deep, but not like a big deal. So um, the classroom rules or the classroom expectations, I give them to the students. And I want teachers to know that there are different ways of doing this. Some teachers co-create this with the students. Some teachers give them the rules. I want you to understand that there is not a way. The way is the way that works for you because this is part of how you handle discipline. This is how you understand uh your teacher persona as well. So do not try to be like someone else if it doesn't work for you. When students are coming to my classroom, my classroom is like my home. It's my Spanish home. So there are some rules that I'm going to give to them. And I'm not going to negotiate these rules or co-create them or anything. These are my rules. And I tell them that these rules are tell them in English. And I explain why. I am not just telling them, we do this and this and this. No, I say, this is this is what we're going to do. These are the expectations. And I go one by one and I explain why, because they all have a reason. 
And then I am very flexible for other things, like the days of the exams. And I will say, for example, when we have an exam, we we will choose if it's a Friday or the Monday, we will vote. Things like that, I don't care. Things like you do not, in Colombia, and I, and I tell them, in Colombia, you do not eat in class. It is very disrespectful. Never in school, never in university, you eat in class. It's disrespectful to your teachers. I am Colombian. It's part of my culture. You will never see me eating in front of you because this is, this is part of me. I don't want you to eat in my class, and I will never eat in front of you, ever. So you're not eating in my class, and that's my home rule. Now, I tell them, if you had a game or something, you need to eat. You come and tell me, Ms. Ramirez, I'm super hungry. I need to eat this granola bar. I will let you know. I will let you go outside, sit. I have a little bench by my door outside. Eat your granola, eat your fruit, take your time. I'm fine with that. You just don't eat in my class because I'm not here to entertain you while you eat. But I explain why. And this is cultural. And this is how you show me respect. They're so good. They're so good. So it's a, it's, I share them, but it's also a collaboration, an understanding, a cultural understanding of expectations, and it generally goes well. We have to make some adjustments throughout the semester, remind them of phones and things like that, but it goes well because it's an honest, not an imposition, it's an honest relationship of rules that I am sharing with them. I agree. I And I think it's setting boundaries. And I think that is very healthy for the relationship. Now, I know, Diana, that you do a little bit different because do, you do co-create your expectations. And I think you started last year. So tell us a little bit about how did it go? So this was like my first time last year. Um, okay. So it was a whole process. I did do a lot of research. I think I did some PD by my school mandate. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this because I just wanted to see. Um, I explained to the students, we, we the first day we talked about the importance of norms or rules. Why do we have them in our societies? And they, we brainstorms, why do we need to have these rules? Um, and then I told them, okay, here are my non-negotiables. I have some, these are non-negotiables. Uh, these are, I'm imposing these norms. Um, and it's like, show me that you don't understand, uh, you know, other things. I can't remember right now, but I had non-negotiables and I showed them, these are my non-negotiables. And then I told the students, I gave them three post-its. You're going to create one classroom norm for the students, for you as a student, one for me as your teacher, and one for working in groups, working with your partner. You're going to write in these post-its. They turn out to be exactly the same rules that I had. Be respectful, be kind, be on time. Exactly. Because they're teenagers, but they know what they're supposed to be doing. It's just sometimes they choose not to, but they suppose they know what they're supposed to be doing. The rules were almost identical to the rules I already had. So that was great. I posted it in the classroom. I had three posters that I used as a reference. Every time somebody doesn't follow the direction, I'm like, remember when we agree that we are going to be kind and respectful. And right now what you're doing is not neither kind nor respectful. And can we please go back and then I'll let them know when they're not following the rules, I let them know, I'm keeping my end of the deal. You asked me to be on time every day. You asked me not to give you homework. And so far, 
I have kept my end of the deal and I'm asking you to please do the same thing. So it's really, it was really good. Uh, the only thing that it did not work so well this year, I'm going to admit is the cell phone use. I'm going to do some more research this summer because as teachers, we're always evolving and trying new things, but I'm going to try something new this year. I don't know what it is yet. Somebody has great ideas. Please let me know. Um, I cannot take their phones away, though. In my school, we're not allowed to do that. Um, it's their property. So, yeah, it worked really well. I'm really happy. Uh, I'm going to try it again next year. And I really like how, because I think you mentioned, they know. They know what to do. They know what is right and what is wrong. <laughs> they are teenagers. They know. And putting that on themselves works really well. I'm going to tell you what I do for cell phones because it's working really, really well for me. So I do something similar to what you both do. But in terms of rules, what I said in terms of cell phones, I said, we're not going to have cell phones in the class. You choose. You either put your cell phone in the backpack and you zip it up or I get a shoe organizer. And when you come to the class, you drop them in the shoe organizer what is going to be. And then they choose to put it in their backpacks, all my classes. And I say, okay, perfect. And every single class, Diana, every single class, I said in Espanol, teléfonos celulares, and then my class repeat, en la mochila, in their backpack. And then I stop and I look. And I look and I start saying, oh, thank you, Diana, for putting in your backpack. Thank you. And I say, Diana, tell Adriana, remind Adriana. Oh, Adriana, cell phones in la mochila. And it has been like this chant in my class that we repeat all the time. And right now, like the, the ones who enforce it the most are my own students. Sometimes I hear, Adriana, teléfono celular en la mochila. Somebody else telling Adriana. So because it has become kind of like the norm in my class that, oh my gosh, we cannot have cell phones. But is that has worked great for me. So maybe you try and you let me know how it works. Okay, this conversation has been super powerful. I hope that everybody that is listening have really get an idea and, and a strategy and uh, inspiration to do something maybe different in your classes. And I'm going to go back to what Adriana mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is you need to find your own voice, right? Like there is nothing that you are driving that airplane. You are the pilot. So you need to make the decisions that make you feel comfortable and that you think is going to, are going to work for your students. And you know, you are amazing. So, you know, just, you got it. So I hope that this gave you a lot of ideas and different strategies and activities that you may want to try. And if you do, Tell us back, you know where to find Adriana, you know when to find Diana, and you know where to find me. We love to hear from you. We wish that you have an incredible, great, strong beginning of the school year. And Adriana, Diana, thank you so much for being here in this podcast. I'm going to say adios, nos vemos. It was so great to see you, and I will talk to you soon.